Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, it is Friday and we hope we find you well on what is a nice morning in some parts. Cloud will continue across today and that rain later on, but for the most, uh, not the worst day. Temperatures fairly okay as well for this time of the year. And our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie take your calls, 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email this morning, jp at c103.ie or you can tweet at c103cork. And ahead on the show, I know we've got a few calls and texts about this uh, earlier this morning and this is over concerns that the flute company Keelings did uh, charter a flight uh, to Bulgaria and bring workers back to basically pick fruit here in Ireland and we have a statement from that particular company uh, and we have the concern that was raised uh, by that person who works for Ryanair. We'll bring you that this morning on the show. Also, we're going to hear how some businesses, even though they are closed, are still paying liability insurance and what can be done for those particular businesses to work something out with their insurance companies. Well, one court councillor has spoken to a number of insurance companies on what can be done. We'll speak with councillor Sean O'Donovan, who was raising that issue this morning. We're also going to hear about a study on how everybody is feeling during this period of COVID-19. Some people are feeling more anxious than others. Some people are more worried than others. And of course, we are all different. There also is a high level of depression among some people because of this. And we are all told as a nation to mind and look after our mental health. Also, we're going to hear within that survey how it seems only two thirds would take a vaccine for the coronavirus if one becomes available. We're going to hear how a Mallow company uh, who prints labels are going to be doing something very good and very nice for the whole of Ireland by way of thanking uh, the frontline staff will hear uh, from them on the show this morning and what is happening with the former site of the Central Hotel in Mallow. Uh, that is something people are asking and uh, some feel it should be just knocked down but there uh, is I suppose an owner of that particular site so as the people as the council I suppose and those in the council look to deal with the particular issue what's going to happen in the meantime especially following that recent fire is it safe where it is there on the main street in Mallow. We'll speak to local Mallow councillor Gerald 
Joe Murphy on the latest on that. We're also going to hear about Cork's rooftop farm. Now, this is interesting. It's located in the city centre and basically on top of a building they have and they are growing local produce and the next uh, project they're going to do is bring hens up to that particular rooftop for eggs as more and more people now try and grow their own fruit uh, and go back to basics. We'll speak uh, with the gang behind this on the show this morning. We're also going to have some comedy because we didn't get to this a few weeks ago uh, due to the level of calls coming in. And we, we will try and get to this today, hopefully, uh, depending on how things go. But this is uh, the Brendan Grace, of course, the uh, late Brendan Grace, the great Irish comedian and his family and their trip to Dublin Zoo with his mother-in-law. And we'll hear that this morning. Just a bit of positivity. I think people need a bit of uplifting as well. And as we head into the weekend, it is something to uplift people. It is, no matter what age you are, I think Brendan Grace brings a smile uh, to your face with his type of comedy. And also, as a lot of people are looking at streaming services and watching movies on the various streaming services that are out there, Mark is here uh, looking at the best of them uh, later in the show as well. So that and more to come between now and one. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And uh, as we were mentioning COVID-19 there, a new modelling from the HSC. It does suggest that we may have reached a plateau here and the virus has been suppressed. Uh, however, there's a warning on relaxing restrictions to travel and indeed to work on May 5th. It could see the infection begin to grow again. Now, the country recorded its highest daily increase in COVID deaths yesterday with 43 more patients dying. And again, our thoughts go to the family and loved ones of those particular people. And it brings the death toll now here to 486 uh, overall, that, that is, uh, while there are now 13,200 confirmed cases uh, and as as we do kind of level out somewhat and people look towards other countries on lifting restrictions, the big thing that is coming from the Department of Health and everybody, of course, and it's obvious to everybody uh, that if you start lifting restrictions, people are out more, people are mingling again. And even though social distancing is going to be with us for a, for a while, uh, the fear is uh, that the restrictions may have to come back into place. That's why if there is any relaxing, they will be done on a slow manner so that does not happen, that we don't go back to square one again after all the hard work people have done for the last, it will be five weeks by the end of this. Uh, and the good news out of all of this is that reproductive rate, the R rate, and that basically is the number of people who are infected from existing coronavirus cases. Uh, that now appears that an average of just one person or less is infected from every case. So that proves that we are doing our job well here in Ireland and the Irish public are doing well. But a lot of people were always asking us where exactly uh, were the clusters of the main cases across localities in Cork. Well, there is a new map out from the HSC and it shows whereabouts in Ireland each case of COVID-19 has been recorded. Now the data is accurate up to April the 15th. You can get that yourself if you log on to the HSC's website. Uh, that's at hsc.ie. But the guys in Cork Bio have delved into this uh, and it takes a bit of time to do this, but they have. And as expected, I suppose, more rural areas, there can be less cases than the urban areas. And in, first of all, in lo- large spots of West Cork, they have yet to see any case. But there have been some cases recorded near Kilcrohan and Durris. But apart from that, uh, those, a lot of the most westerly areas remain anyhow for the moment relatively free uh, from 
COVID-19. Uh, Lambshead, Alahees, Castletown Bear, Bear Island, all those have no cases. And this appears to be the case right up to around Glengariff and slightly beyond. And then on the more southern peninsula, Crookhaven and Delmanis, also no cases there. Uh, I will come, I suppose it's no shock that then further inland you go to the more urban areas, there is more pockets of cases reported. And then in North Cork, uh, around Rock Chapel, meaning a new market, all clear there, although there is more cases then uh, closer you go towards Canturk and Mallow. And also on that stretch of border, and which will be more or less north of Yole if you follow along the border with Waterford uh, on that area there is cases as well but overall uh, not a, a huge amount of cases in many rural areas which people would say uh, obviously not because it's, it's usually contagious you're catchy from people uh, there is more cases in inland areas and urban areas built up areas which is what people were thinking of and saying anyhow so no surprise there that the more remote the area is the less there is by way of transmission because less people and there, I suppose, would say there's always social distancing in those areas anyhow. And staying on the restrictions on Taoiseach did come out yesterday and says at the moment he does not know if the country can relax restrictions on May the 5th. Too early to say any of those restrictions that would happen would be done so on a very slow level. But at the moment, no talk of what would happen officially from the May, from the 5th of May. Uh, when these current restrictions are to win. So that's the latest regarding COVID-19. I mentioned there about the businesses. Uh, welcome news for those bar owners uh, last night. Uh, bars and pubs won't have to pay commercial rates now while they are closed during COVID-19. So that's some good news for the bar trade who were worried about that particular issue. And more uh, on TDs who were entitled to that particular travel allowance. A lot of uh, anger on the show during the week when TDs were looking for some type of allowance to buy equipment while they work from home. People were saying, well, what about everybody else who's working from home and not getting anything from their employer? Well, it seems though TDs are still collecting or are entitled anyhow to collect about €250,000 a month yes, a month in travel and accommodation expenses from the taxpayer despite the limits on the numbers attending the doll. Uh, the sums involved uh, come to an average of about 1900 a month uh, for an eligible TD, although there are greater and lesser amounts depending on how far you live from Leinster House. So the clocking system that we've all heard about uh, that has been suspended for the duration of this particular crisis, meaning there is no way of knowing whether ATD has travelled to Leinster House or not. Uh, the payments for travel and, com- travel and accommodation allowance, that's what it's called, TAA, uh, despite uh, the particular lockdown and despite calls for that to be basically scrapped during the lockdown, it's still exists and the payment still continues and the Doyle has met only six times since the election and even though it's in reduced numbers as most of the sittings cannot take place because of social distancing rules and if they do uh, there is social distancing in place uh, still that travel and accommodation allowance is still you can still claim it no not all to these are most are have common sense over it but if they wanted to they could and on something totally different this is to do with footage that's coming out on the Cork Killarney Road uh, this is the N22 uh, from McCroom to Killarney and it happens near Glenflesk. So between Lewbridge and Glenflesk Village, uh, shocking footage came out of a sulky race that took place early on Wednesday morning. And this is where carriages raced each other at around 50k through traffic. There was traffic on this road and they were edging in and out of the traffic and then onto the hard shoulder. Uh, drivers were followed by at least two vehicles 
Uh, and then, while those drivers and others were in the hard shoulder, it appeared that some were leaning out of windows and egging drivers with shouts and bad language. Now, Gardaí and Killarney have seized one horse which may have been involved in that particular race. Uh, but while we haven't seen that on Cork roads for a good while, it's still unfortunate that it is happening uh, just uh, over and just down the road from Ballyvorney near Glenflesk uh, on the main uh, McCroom to Killarney Road. And also an email came in to us and this comes from Jack and he was asking about the hospital situation with regards to private health insurers and about them making an announcement. Now that came in overnight and there was an announcement overnight from the private health insurance market and basically, uh, private health insurance, they are to give customers a partial rebate for a three-month period to reflect the agreement which has been struck now between the HSC and private hospitals. And it's as part of the effort, I suppose, to combat COVID-19 uh, that private hospitals will and are providing their services to the HSC. Uh, and what this means then is people with private health insurance companies won't be able to avail of the same range of services within those private hospitals. So something had to happen. Uh, and while people were looking for Cuts and changes VHI uh, were out yesterday and they have announced customers will receive an average 50% reduction in their premium for a three-month period. Uh, Different policies, of course, have different levels of private hospital cover and that will be reflected in the rebate and that goes for every health insurance policy. Uh, Most of those uh, for VHI will be applied on your monthly instalment and that will start in mid-May. Lay of the plan to redirect a claim cost savings in the form of a benefit to the amount of €195 for every adult member and €60 for every child member. So this would benefit around 600,000 layout customers. And if a member's employment pays for their health insurance with Leia, they will distribute a payment directly to the employee and a separate payment then will be made to the employer. And Irish Life then, they are giving customers a rebate of their premiums for a three-month period between 36% and 60% for advanced plans with Irish Life and 17 to 21% for non-advanced plans with Irish Life. So hopefully that makes sense to you all. But I mean, I think VHI and Leah have set it out in, in clear terms there regarding the monetary side of things and people will be getting some type of rebate as well. Uh, more emails and more to come across the show. We'll get through your calls and comments. Keep them coming to us. 1850-333-103. Text of WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of calls and comments in with regards to Keelings and that play note of workers uh, that they have brought from Bulgaria. We have a statement from them. Also emails in regarding that and commentary. I'll get to those. But I want to check in on what the business owners who have been on to us, how they will face paying insurance, especially those or anybody paying liability insurance, uh, whereby there's no one actually in your business, no one in your workplace, no one in your bars. What are the insurance companies doing about that? We've heard about health insurance, but what's happening with uh, that side of things? Uh, we'll discuss that next with a counsellor who has looked into this and has answered. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. As I mentioned, health insurance, a lot of people asking what is happening for business owners or people who may have a public property and paying a public liability and have insurance on that, but at the moment, no one is on that particular property. 
property and certain for many businesses at the moment, especially bar owners as well, even though commercial rates this morning and yesterday evening was said that that is going to be on halt now during COVID-19, which is good news for bar owners. Anyhow, Councillor Sean O'Donovan has written to several insurance companies about this particular situation and he joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Jean-Paul. Uh, what is the situation? What have you heard from insurance companies in particular regarding public liability insurance as many companies now will have workers from home and if you're a company like a bar or someplace that has the public coming in, you've no one coming in now. So can they defer it in some type of way like the banks are doing regarding mortgages? Um, they can't defer it, John Paul, but I suppose where, where this stemmed from is like on everyone's insurance policy, you have public liability, you have employer's liability, you have cash and transit, cash on premises and all this. They are not um, they are not um, they are no because businesses are closed. So that's why I wrote to the, the uh, insurance bodies and um, asking them what they were doing for their customers. I got a response yesterday from um, Insurance Ireland um, and they are saying to me, and I quote, insurers will reduce premiums for business customers to reflect reduced level of exposure as a result of COVID-19 restrictions for employee and public liability and commercial motors. So they're, they're willing to... Um, I suppose to talk to their 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 clients and um, and and work out what they're going to do with them. They're also extending their renewal payment. So if your policy falls up falls due today, they're giving an extra twenty eight days for businesses to renew it. There still has to be um, a a level of cover, I suppose, maintained on the property because of uh, break ins and and the stock that might be on the premises. Um, They will cover the, the they will cover the unoccupied commercial buildings. Um, at the moment for up to 90 days anyway and that will be reviewed um, and also we'll say people who've had to change we'll say from a restaurant doing just takeaway now they're covering that side of it as well um, without any extra fees or costs Okay that that's positive because a lot of restaurants how they're surviving is doing that offering takeaway so that's something uh, eases their mind I suppose yeah, Absolutely yeah but it's, it's just very important that the businesses um, the businesses would contact their, their insurance broker directly and just to discuss this and uh, make sure it, it's, it goes into place. Now, they're also um, looking at personal customers because um, a lot of personal customers, are in, their details have changed as well. Again, they're extending 28 days for the, the grace period for their policy renewal, meaning they're giving an extra 28 days for you to pay your, your policy. Um, there are, there's no cancellation fees on, or on missed direct debit fees. Um and also, if you're working from home, they're willing to cover that aspect of it that normally you wouldn't have it from your your home, your private policy. And then for um, HSE professionals, they're offering services as well, free breakdown service, courtesy car if required, priority for repairs and claims, um, and enhanced personal belongings cover as well. So that's positive news for the HSE sector there as well. Yeah, that's good. And especially, as you mentioned, those working from home, that they get extra cover as well if they require it. So uh, they are working well with the, the people. So on this, our insurance companies, you mentioned stock there uh, for businesses. What is the situation uh, for many who may have to now throw out stock or will have stock that is at a reduced value? I mean, it depends, I suppose, on, on what you trade in. Are people still paying for that or, or how will that be worked out later? Well, I suppose, again, as you said, it depends what you're trading in. Um, I know if you're a pub, the breweries will look at taking back the, the kegs and stuff and crediting your account. Um, but I, I, my advice would be just to contact your insurance broker and talk to them. Um, like before trying anything else, we'd say if anything goes off, if you're a restaurant or whatever, 
uh, make sure you talk to your insurance broker because uh, they might want to see evidence of what is going to go to waste. Yeah, and the other thing, whether you're a business or a personal customer of an insurance company, they are saying if you have problems paying your insurance to contact them and they will work something out, uh, that don't be afraid to ring them. That, that is an issue we've had before and we've, we've had that in the last week or so from listeners who we put in contact with their own insurance companies in the last few days and, and it has worked out for them. Uh, so if there is something in doubt, contact them at the moment. They seem to be very understanding on, on what they're giving you there anyhow, Sean. They, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I'm quite happy with the response that I got from them. But as you say, the key thing is talk to your insurance broker um, and work it out because sometimes the very same thing is if anyone is running into trouble with their mortgage and their bank, talk to your bank. The banks won't contact you, but like email them and, and have a paper trail that you can follow up on because it's, it's just very important that the bank knows what you're thinking and you know what the bank are thinking um, if, if you do run into trouble with your mortgage on, on the other side as well. Very true. Uh, just away from insurance for the moment, something that has come up a lot on the show uh, and the answer for this was you have to continue paying your motor tax. But for many who are saying, well, my car is parked in the driveway, I'm not driving to work, uh, my tax is out, uh, can I not, can I defer my motor tax? I mean, we have checked into this and everybody, because you might still have to go to the shop or use your car, so you pay your motor tax as normal. It's a query we're getting here nearly every day at this stage um, I suppose yeah your motor taxes when it's up it, it's due but if you don't renew it I suppose when you go back to renew it in a month's time whatever you have to backdate it anyway so you may um, as well just pay it if you have money to pay it pay it and if it's off the road then you have to get proof of that as well you do you do and you have to get a sign by the guard station and stuff as well so maybe that might be an avenue for some people to go down if they don't intend to be driving for the next couple of months or something maybe but um, you'd ha- you would have to backdate your motor tax if um if it's due, you'll have to back tax it if you don't yeah. pay it. And just to be careful, I think a lot of people thought because they're not driving to work, they didn't need tax. If you're still going to the shop collecting groceries and if you're stopped by the Gardaí who were out in force, uh, you, you could be caught in for driving with no tax. So uh, if, if you do, if you're renewing it, renew it. If, you, if your car is off the road, as you say, Sean, you'd be caught for years. If, if you can prove it's off the road, you need all, all those letters as well. So that needs to be done. Very finally, um, this is from a political point of view. Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil are in talks. You're a, a Fianna Fáil councillor. You're on the grounds. They're in some parts, from the papers anyhow, some members aren't happy. Uh, what's your overall view as a Fianna Fáil councillor with these talks? It's a very historic coalition if it does go ahead. It is John Paul. Um, I suppose we're in in very um, stormy waters at the moment with the the pandemic that we are going in. Uh, we have ongoing. I mean, um, as a Fianna Fáil councillor, I wouldn't be in favour of if, of coalition with Fianna Gael. Um, I think our our values are are different. Our views are different. We canvassed the, the last election on um, on change. By going into government with Fianna Gael, I, I I don't think it's change. It's not what people are looking for. Um, I don't think it would be good for the party. I don't. I think. It, I think people would look at it as an, an amalgamation of, of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. That's certainly something I wouldn't want. Um, I think the country needs strong leadership at the moment. Um, it certainly needs a very strong government. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't be in favour of of coalition with uh, Fianna Gael. Have you made that known to the powers in Fianna Fáil? I have. I have expressed my views. What was the response to you on that? Um, no response as such. The membership are due to... Um, we're supposed to hold a special Ardesh to vote on it, but obviously that can't happen. But what we're hoping is maybe that we'll get a postal vote or something on it that um, we'll be able to express our views um, and vote for or against the coalition. 
because they do need somebody at their eight seat shorts uh, to actually form a government. So they do need the Greens. And I know the sort of Democrats are looking at the economic policies this morning from both Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. So uh, they do need somebody else in with them. Uh, so with that in mind, you feel that if it does go ahead, the backlash could happen at the next election when people really just see now Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil as one government if this goes ahead. I, I think so, John Pauli. I think uh, they'll be kind of looking, I suppose, from the, the, the previous government and Fianna Fáil supporting Fianna Gael um, to keep them in power for the last number of years. Um, I think people are kind of thinking that anyway, so I think it'll damage the party more. Um, it's not what I stood on the election for. It's not what my beliefs of Fianna Fáil are, so I'm just quite disappointed that... I think basically on the Sinn Féin issue we should have spoke to Sinn Féin um, people vote for them they need respect they got um, a large number of seats Would you have liked Fianna Fáil to go into government with Sinn Féin? Um, I would like them not to have ruled them out from the very start anyway I think that every party should be spoken to and depending on what their views and depending on what their plans for the country are um, Every party should have been spoken to. And are you hearing that on the ground from Fianna Fáil supporters that this could be damaging for the party? Um, I'm, I'm hearing that a bit that it could be damaging, yeah, but uh, the bigger issue, I suppose, is, is what's happening in the country and we know we need a strong government. So. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, would you not think that for at the moment the way things are going that you need a strong government and that you have the uh, the evidence, some would say, over the last while from the health minister and others that something is going right if we are reducing and flattening that curve at the moment and we do need a solid government to put things in place. So with that in mind, is it a case of, of putting the differences aside and putting Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael together or should we just go for national government if there's so much concern um, I think like what's happening at the minute I, I, I think um, the party the government party at the minute are doing a good job people are listening to them as you say the, the curve has been flattened um, and there's lives being saved you know um, a national government is possibly something that should be looked at um, like the the plan that came out from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and the day before yesterday is it isn't as it isn't costed. Um there's a lot on it I, I think isn't realistic, to be honest. It wasn't realistic when there was a lot of money in the country, so if we're going to go into recession or depression now, I just can't see what's mm. on the policy and document um viable, being honest with you. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens and if they do get one of those parties to join in with them and if this coalition actually goes ahead, if it is, as I said, it's going to be a very historic one. Uh, For the moment, Sean, thanks for joining us this morning and thanks for the information there uh, that you've got so far from the insurance companies. A lot of relief that will bring uh, to so many and stay safe yourself. Thank you very much. Uh, That's uh, Fianna Fáil councillor Sean O'Donovan. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103103. Social distancing and quarantine measures due to COVID 19 have led to many having feelings of loneliness, depression, anxiety, and more among the Irish public. Well, this follows a latest study and survey of Irish adults. And Dr. Philip Highland of Maynooth University, who's worked on that study, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Dr. Philip. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. First of all, I suppose this is new times for everybody. And while some will adapt to the changes, others won't so easily adapt. Hence why we will have people who may suffer from more stress or be anxious at this time. 
correct. Although I would like to stress that all our work shows is that there are many people in the population who are suffering from mental health problems at the moment. It doesn't tell us if these mental health problems are a direct result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, we performed similar work last year in February of 2019, looking at levels of depression and anxiety in the population. And we found that the rates last year were very similar to what we observed um, now during the first few days of the pandemic. So I, I suppose I'd caution against anyone looking at these figures and assuming that they are due to the COVID pandemic itself. So you think they just could be in general of, of what is happening and how people are feeling outside of the, the COVID-19 situation? Yeah, that's what it looks like. So, as I said, when we did it last year, we found very similar figures. So my assumption, therefore, is that there are these quite high levels of just what we might call high base levels of anxiety and depression in the population. Now, that's quite worrying because, of, as you said, this situation is stressful, it is threatening, it is difficult, and we do know from our work that people are people are experiencing quite a lot of anxiety around the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of people are worried about their finances and the financial implications of this. So, obviously, if that prolongs and it, that worry and that low mood lasts for a long time, it can, in some people, translate into clinical disorders. So the fear that we have and what we want to do is track people across this pandemic, across the quarantine, and try and determine if people's mental health does, in fact, deteriorate or hopefully stays about the same or potentially even gets better. And if you think that the mental health of people was similar to this before COVID-19, as you mentioned there, as things progress and we don't know for how long more we'll be in this particular situation, we know the lockdown will go on for another few weeks or the restrictions anyhow uh, that are in place. Are you fearful so that people's anxiety may increase or or, or what could happen? Because people are, uh, and we're noticing here from calls to the radio station, people are anxious, people are worried and people are angry as well. Yeah, I, I think it's first thing to say is it's absolutely normal for people to feel anxious and upset at the moment. As, I, these, as you said, these are extraordinary times. We are all under some type of stress. Um, a certain level of anxiety at this time is not only normal, but it's probably helpful and adaptive. So that's fine. The other, whether or not this will translate into increased levels of mental health problems I suppose we are afraid that this can happen. There is a lot of existing scientific evidence that shows that prolonged quarantine can have long-lasting effects on people's mental health. But the other thing I'd like to say is that all of the all of what we know about human beings and how we respond to stressful life events is that we are remarkably adaptive. We are remarkably resilient. So yes, there may be a small uptick on there may even be more than a small uptick in mental health problems but for the vast majority of people they will get through this crisis absolutely fine they may experience some increases in stress and anger but once it passes people will go back to where they were before most people so i guess we have to hold these two thoughts in our mind that people are incredibly resilient by and large but this can 
lead to increased levels of mental health problems for some individuals as well. And within that, for people who are feeling that anxiety, who are feeling depressed because they are staying within the, the 2K, within the boundaries of their home and, and people are angry, as we're hearing, uh, any advice to people in that situation and how they can reduce that anxiety, I suppose, and reduce that anger? Yeah, well, I suppose the first thing to, to say is that I would hope that all people will follow the public health advice and the public health guidelines. I mean, there are incredibly intelligent people who are making these decisions. So the, the, the more we adhere to these restrictions, the sooner we will get out of these strange times. Um, if people are feeling anxious, if people are feeling annoyed by the change of their lives, there, there are probably many things people can do. The first is to realize that this will not last for that long. And relatively speaking, this will pass. I suppose the great thing about epidemics is they come and then they pass. So we will all get back to normal sooner or later. Um, the HSE have some wonderful resources. They have a website that's dedicated to what's called Minding Your Mental Health During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And they give really simple advice, like little things that people can do every day that we know from years of scientific research does help your mental health, does help you to feel better, reduce your anxiety and reduce your uh, your anger and distress. So I would I would recommend that people search for HSE, minding your mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, as we all know, the world is searching for some type of treatment for COVID-19. Vaccines are being spoken about at some level. And in your survey, you do mention that and you do ask people about if a vaccine was available, would people happily take a vaccine? And indeed, uh, would their child be happy for them to give that to their child as well? What have you found from that within the survey? So we found some worrying results. Well, I find them worrying that only 65% of people said that they would accept a vaccine. 26% of people said maybe they would accept a vaccine. And 9% of people said no, they would not accept the vaccine. So I suppose it's a difficult question to ask people because a vaccine isn't available right now. The question we asked was a little bit blunt. So I suppose the work that we are doing right now is to try and find out who are these people who are not saying yes? Who are the maybes? Who are the no's? What defines them? Um, is there any information that we could provide to these people in order to encourage them and to make them more likely to say yes if and when a vaccine becomes available? So we will be following up with our participants over the next couple of weeks. And we'll ask them in the next survey, well, what information will you need or would you need that would help to convince you to accept the vaccine? Because, you know, some of these people may have said no or may have said maybe because there's concerns about the safety of a vaccine or whether or not they themselves, if they have an underlying condition, uh, can take it. But I suppose what I'd want to stress to people is that the safety and efficacy record of vaccines is remarkable. So there is no reason, no rational reason to fear or to suspect that a vaccine would not be safe and effective if and probably when it is developed. 
And why do you think that people have that view on vaccines? I mean, some of the majority of people will go and get vaccines for different things over the years, for flus and whatnot. Where has that come from? Do you blame social media or is it just people doing their own research and looking into the the power maybe of pharmaceutical companies over the years and realising that vaccines, they need to be questioned? Where is that coming from? Well, the first thing to say is most people actually don't take flu vaccines. If we look in the population, only about 40% of people in the population accept the flu vaccine. Um, as so it's as low as 40%? Yeah, so the CDC show that about in the US, the uptake is about 40%. That's the same in most other countries. In more high-risk categories, you know, elderly populations, healthcare workers, is as high as 70%. But across the general population, it's only about 40%. So uh, this, in, in some ways, then, the, the willingness to take this vaccine is higher than what we see for your standard annual flu. As to where the information is, the, the, the sort of the distorted information is coming from, the fear around vaccines, you know, there are many ways that we could probably, there are probably many sources for that. I'd rather take responsibility. So as a scientist and as a member of the healthcare professionals, I suppose as a psychologist, we, other scientists, other health practitioners, probably need to do a better job communicating to the public just the extraordinary effect that vaccines, the extraordinary positive effect that vaccines have had on people over the years, the incredible safety record that they have. And there is just no reason why people, by and large, should be wary of taking a vaccine if and when it comes becomes available. Okay, that is interesting. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, what happens regarding vaccines or any type of treatment uh, for COVID-19. Uh, good research there. Just getting back uh, very finally to uh, the anxiety and depression and a call uh, that we get the odd time here. Is there a difference between the level of anxiety in women and men? And have you found that within this survey? Yeah, so uh, slightly higher rates of anxiety and depression among uh, women. Interestingly enough, all of the scientific literature tells us that women are about two times as likely as men to suffer from depression and anxiety. In our study, we found that women were only about one and a half times more likely to suffer from anxiety and depression than men. So actually, while there is still this effect where slightly more women are affected by these conditions than men, the difference now is actually slightly smaller than what we generally see. So that could be something to do with the current circumstances we're in, or it may just be a sort of a natural difference we see from study to study. Okay, well, interesting research there. Well done on that, Dr. Philip. And thanks for joining us this morning on the particular research you've done with that study. That is Dr. Philip Highland there joining us from Maynooth University. So I want to go to Munster Labels, who are based in Mallow. They are doing something very, very nice and very good uh, for the frontline workers. And we'll say good morning to Patrick Whelan there in Munster Labels. Good morning to you, Patrick. And uh, thanks for joining us. I'm fine, thanks. Now, tell us what you're doing there. I tell you what we're doing. Um, over the last couple of weeks since this has started, um, we've been lucky enough to stay employed and our factory is 100% uh, in production. But we do an awful amount of work for the hospitals uh, based in the Munster region and pharma companies and food companies and stuff. Now, as a way of thank you, what we're doing on Monday is we're going to produce over a half, in excess of a half million labels. And they're basically, it's a, it, 
All it says in them is, thank you, healthcare workers. That's it, full stop. And we're going distributing to whoever wants them, to any companies that want them. And we'd like them just to put them on their products or put them on their lapels or whatever. It's just a way of saying thank you, that's it. Because so, I think they're, they're doing us a... We're only here, we're here to help them. And I think all the food companies are the same. They're, they're here to help the country keep moving. But to be honest, the, these people working in the hospitals and anything to do with the hospitals, be it the storemen, be it the, the, anybody, they, they deserve the, 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 the credit. Of course, they're saving lives and they're doing they so much uh, within the hospital. Uh, and the labels you speak about, they could be put on products. So if someone's producing, let's say, milk and they're producing the packaging for milk, it could be put on those type of labels we Correct. see around the milk carton, cheese, anything like that, is it? Anything, anything, any products that they want. Um, we've Some of our customers already have committed to taking a couple of thousand of each. A couple of thousand of labels. Now, the one thing you want, we're doing this for free. We're not, we're... we're there's no cost whatsoever so whoever wants them can literally have them Well fair play it's a great thing you're doing because we see online on social media there's so many tags coming up with a thank you to the frontline staff and there's signs all over I'm sure yeah. you've seen the signs in the Cork to Mallow Road saying thank you to our frontline staff so it's great that now we'll be on our products we buy and this is nationwide here from Mallow This is this, whoever as I said no base a company in Dublin be a company in Donegal or whatever they can they can basically request the labels from us and have you you've obviously started producing the labels already well, one, there Monday morning um, thankfully with, with two of our partners in this um, platinum paper in Dublin and YRG plate makers they've kindly given us the, the materials for nothing so the only cost inside in this job at the moment is the labour cost and that's one of the leads on the floor will be producing that so like a shout out to Peter Linnells Marcus we're on the floor and they're doing a great job at the moment and myself and Mick Buckley we were always grateful that they turn up every day well, well done to you all, Patrick, and indeed all the staff you mentioned there. It's a fantastic initiative. It's great to, that in person people will actually physically see that now on labels of whatever they buy. Hopefully companies will pick up on this and more will follow. And it's a great initiative by ourselves just to go along and think of doing something like that. And I'm sure all those frontline staff within the hospitals will be very appreciative like of, of that as well. So well done, Patrick. It's, a, it's, it's just a simple label. Like it's, it's, you couldn't thank these people enough. Mm. The nursing homes and whatever, the... the um, you heard the bad stories about everything throughout the last week or two. And it's just, for us, look, we're busy because of them. And we're, we're just doing this to say thank you to them, that's it. Yeah, a way of giving back, but also a way of acknowledging their work and that others can see that on, on the various packaging uh, that they, they'll be uh, placed on. Again, well done. It's a great no. initiative, great idea, Patrick, and it's great that it's been uh, thought of here no, in, it, in the Cork it, area. Jean-Paul, one other thing, it doesn't have to be businesses, um, Groups can pick it up to whatever they can wear them on their, their their coats or whatever. It doesn't matter. So it could be even company clothing, company uniforms. Anybody who is still going to work, uh, that they could do that or anything at all. Sh- that the they'll go on anything. Shop. If shops and matter want to take them, they can give more to their customers to wear. It's just a simple way. When the shops shops get it, it's their way of saying thank you. Yeah. That's it. Full stop. And that, that's that's the message I think we want to get across is just to say thank you. Very good uh, and indeed a message that a, a lot of people want to display as well at this time. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Well no done problem, again. Great idea. And you mind yourselves there in Munster Labels. Uh, Patrick Whelan there from Munster Labels in Mallow. Uh, something to give back to the community and they're doing that as they produce labels. Anyhow, they're a labelling company. They are going to produce those labels and they'll be hopefully as companies are picking up as he said there Dublin, Donegal and local companies in Cork if they want to get involved you can wear it on maybe a uniform if you're going to work you can uh, hopefully we'll see it on some 
of the food products we uh, all purchase or whatever type of products we purchase and it's a great that this has been done locally here too in Cork and in Mallow. Now, a lot of calls and comments coming in on the Irish Fruit Company uh, who has come under fire after it chartered a flight from Bulgaria carrying dozens of strawberry pickers during this particular lockdown that we are in and these restrictions we are facing until the Maybank holiday weekend and more than likely uh, anything else will continue after that in a different type of way but anyhow the flight has arrived uh, from Bulgaria it arrived earlier this week and it was arriving into Dublin and Keelings who were the company involved say that they were and they had to bring skilled horticultural staff to this particular country now a lot of people are questioning why Irish workers who lost their jobs due to the global pandemic could not have been offered those particular roles here's just uh, first of all here's a Ryan Airworker who has emailed his local councillor in that area and this has been sent around it's also been shared on social media here's a flavour of that particular email this Ryan Airworker who isn't giving his name because he doesn't want to be identified but his name is with the councillor uh, he feels that because of the lockdown we are in a lot of people are cocooning and not leaving their home he was on that particular charter flight that went out from Dublin to Bulgaria. The flight was paid for by Keelings. The flight flew out from Dublin empty, came back in with full of passengers, 189 in total. There was no social distancing on board. He felt to put the cabin crew at risk. There was also 200 bags in the hold of the aircraft, putting the ground handling agents at risk. All the passengers on board were holding letters from Keelings, stating that they were coming to start work picking strawberries for them. And a member of staff working at Dublin Airport said they found it quite unsettling for themselves and their work colleagues as it's putting them at risk also, especially as many have family at home and they don't want to pass that on to their family or indeed their other work colleagues. None of these passengers, uh, as far as this person is concerned, uh, were getting medical clearance and were they being asked to quarantine for 14 days? I wonder, will they be heading straight into work, says that particular Ryanair worker. Well, we did contact Keelings and we got a statement from them and they said yes we can confirm that a number of skilled horticultural staff have returned to Ireland to work with Keelings we are also recruiting for local workers to join us in picking our crops on the farm along with other roles in the Keeling business so they are looking uh, for locals and Irish people as well they say across our entire business we have also worked tirelessly uh, to implement the HSC and government guidelines to ensure we are protecting the health of all our people this includes the repeated COVID-19 safety coaching instructions and indeed following all the guidelines which includes 14 days of restricted movement for any new arrivals in the country prior to starting work in Keelings. A very important part of our workforce for many years has been skilled seasonal workers who return to us to help pick our fruit and manage our plant health. Without these seasonal workers it would be impossible to bring fresh Irish strawberries to the Irish market. We understand the concern that in the current environment regarding both social distancing and local employment. We want to assure the public that we are doing all we can to help and support the local employment at this time, but also to ensure the safety of all our workers. And we again want to assure people that no horticultural worker coming from another region will be asked to work without a full 14 days restricted movement is what the statement says from Keelings to us earlier this morning. Well on that, a lot of comments in uh, from people who were on 
happy. First of all, Christy in Tipmaglanton says at a time where we are told that 700,000 people are collecting unemployment benefit, it seems outrageous, if true, that these workers were brought in from Bulgaria by Keelings to pick fruit. How is this being allowed? And John in Clonakilty says uh, on that particular issue, if the country is closed down and it's your own people, your own Irish people are being told to stay in or stay within 2K, but then anybody is let in and they can fly in or sail in as we are still open. Come on, one in, all in, says John in Clonakilty. And another John says, I'm fuming with the news that almost 200 people from the other side of Europe have landed via Ryanair to Dublin for work with Keelings to pick berries while the rest of us have to stay in a 2k curfew from our house. People are not left to go, or people are not left out to go to family funerals. Someone in this government decided it was okay to risk more lives for a few bloody berries. People need to speak up about this as our lives are put on hold to save our country and each other. I couldn't give a damn about the berries, says John. I am working in the healthcare system and risking my health and my family's health while trying to help fight this particular virus while others are saving berries. The Minister for Foreign Affairs now needs to come out and address address this situation, uh, says John on what to 0862103103. Caroline also on WhatsApp says, it, I'm shocked and absolutely shocked, she says, that fruit pickers were brought in from Bulgaria while we were all told to stay at home and then Keelings decides to bring in these people. In my opinion, Caroline says, Ryanair were just at fault for agreeing to this. They should be sent back straight away, says Caroline. Some of your calls and comments regarding that particular issue from Keelings and the strawberry pickers that they have brought in from Bulgaria. Uh, to pick those particular strawberries. Uh, this is in the Meath Louth area of the country, we're led to believe. Uh, thank you for your text on that. More, I'm sure, across the course of the morning also. On the price of gloves and sanitizer, and we did speak to shops on this, and those shops did come straight out and tell us that it was because of the, the cost they're buying those particular gloves and indeed the sanitizer is why they are so high. The majority of stores are not making any profit on sanitizer. They're selling it at cost price. But uh, Marie says that the price Price hikes are totally unacceptable. I brought a box of gloves a month ago for seven euro, and now they are ten euro. Also, hand sanitizer is gone up by six euro a bottle as well. I am a carer, and I think this is a disgrace, says Marie. Uh, and yeah, while people would agree, again, we have checked this out, and as I mentioned, that's the cost price that a lot of the supermarkets are buying it in for. And sanitizer is impossible to get now, as are gloves for many uh, retail units and indeed workplaces. So there is a like everything there's a, a demand for a product the price would increase but if the product is not in supply the price would increase too but from some of the supermarkets we have spoken to they are not even making a profit out of a lot of the equipment like you said there that they are selling and that was what we got from some of the shop owners and supermarkets we spoke to on that particular situation, even though now some of the local areas, I know, is it uh, Weedles Pharmacy in Mallow, Bernie was telling me, are producing hand sanitizer. And Nine White Deer in Ballyvorney are, we had Clonacilda Distillery on as well, producing hand sanitizer. There is in, in Beira. So there's a lot of local places now producing hand sanitizer. But because the demand is so high, uh, then you have a situation whereby as fast as they make it, it runs out again. And 
And on that uh, issue of cost, Mary in Demanue feels prices have gone up uh, since COVID-19 in many of the shops. And on gloves, Mary in Banning feels it should be compulsory to wear masks and gloves if out every day in the community. Uh, let's go to comments on nursing homes. And this is with regarding, again, the uh, private nursing homes and the PPE and PPE coming into to nursing homes and the struggle to get all that particular uh, personal equipment and protective equipment to those particular staff. Uh, this says, Hi Bernie, JP and Sadie. Thanks for all the information you send your way but I have to comment on the nursing homes. While I agree wholeheartedly with the sentiment that we should take care of our elderly in those care homes, the private care homes charge huge fees and I think if the HSC are bailing them out with the staff and indeed with PPE, they should be made reimburse the HSC over time and not make a profit in with this and throw the expenses over to the taxpayer while they still have to pay their monthly deposits. Also, there should be some a certain amount of PPE in place themselves within private nursing homes as there are doctors and nurses in certain areas of hospitals going without basic masks and aprons while doing their rounds as a result of this lack of PPE. So shame on the HSC if they are not uh, working this out because obviously the, the, the they, they feel private nursing homes since they're charging fees they should be paying something back towards the HSC um, well thank you for your text on that I'm sure there'll be a lot of views on that I'm not too sure what is the issue with private nursing homes and fees at this particular time uh, when they also require PPE and I'm sure no one wants staff in private nursing homes either to be left without personal protection equipment at this particular time and somebody else here I'm just throwing this out why are nail bars Closed. Why can't they operate like checkouts and put up screens? It's not rocket science. Well, I suppose two things there. First of all, for a nail bar, uh, I presume you'll be touching the hands of the person if you're doing their nails. So uh, because of that, that could be an issue. Uh, you can't wear, well, the person that's getting the nails done can't wear gloves. Anyhow, it, maybe they could wear some type of gloves, but the nails would have to be on show. Uh, but the other side of that is the staff working in the nail bar. People are forgetting about the staff. Maybe they don't want to work. If you're even with a screen, uh, it's not considered an essential service. So maybe the staff are going, I'm not, I don't want to sit there with somebody sitting across the way from me. Even with a screen, I still may touch their hands doing their nails. So it could be a staffing issue as well. Uh, that could be the issue on that. Uh, and again, that they're not deemed uh, essential, like hairdressers who have to close, but supermarkets are because we all need to eat. So that's why they remain open. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. More texts coming in and more queries as well. One briefly here. Uh, before we get to find out what is happening uh, with the Central Hotel site in Mallow. Uh, this is coming from, uh, this is a postman actually who contacted us uh, during the week and we did check out this particular query for him and uh, I think a lot of people were, were reading this wrong. Anyhow, here is the particular query from that worker. Uh, I won't give his name out because he, he doesn't want his name read out but he did go and he made a complaint to the shop where he was shopping most days and this is a little or Lidl, whatever way you want to pronounce it. He's a hard-working postman helping everyone, he says, over the last five weeks delivering shopping, newspapers and helping everyone I can. So he went into his local Lidl on his break to pick up a few things and he was in full uniform so everybody knew he was a postman and I was heading towards the security door and this, or the, the, the main door but the security man told me to join the queue. So as I was walking in the door, I was told, go back, join that particular queue and I said, I'm on a break and I'm on the front line. And he laughed at me and he told me, join the queue. 
I left. I was so mad. Are we hiring people that don't understand their job or have they no respect for us working on the front line? So we checked that out with Lidl. They came back to us and they told us that with, with regards to frontline staff, it's only HSC staff that they are letting in. So if you were going along to Lidl and you want to skip the queue because you feel you were a frontline worker, the frontline workers they consider are HSC staff and they must produce a HSC ID. So if you were a HSC staff member, you are on your break or you are leaving uh, the hospital to go home. Yes, you can avail of that. You can skip the queue in Lidl and go straight in if you are HSC staff, but you must have the HSC ID. We do thank our post men and women who are working so hard over the last number of weeks to provide the service and extra services they are providing. Uh, with regard to that store, they don't consider them frontline. It's only HSC staff. So that clears that particular issue up. C103 Jobs. On today's job spot, opportunities for security staff wanted for crowd management and social distancing across Aldi stores in Bandon, Cove, McCroom and other areas in Cork. Positions are open to males and females over 18 with a valid PSA static licence. You can email admin at oneplussecurity.com. Two positions are available for an existing agri-sales team in the North Cork area. Send your cover letter and CV to info at farmcoagritrading.com and PE Global Healthcare. They're now recruiting for a pharmacist, medical information roles, an occupational health nurse, and they're all in the Cork area. Call Onya in PE Global Healthcare on 0818 or email her onya.lynch at peglobal.net. And these jobs and more online now. Go to c103.ie forward slash job. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now, a lot of calls in during the week asking what is going to happen now with the old Central Hotel site in Mallow. We all know there was a fire there recently at the particular site. Uh, and not for the first time, uh, local councillor Garod Murphy joins me. Good morning to you, Garod. Hi, John Paul. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for joining us. So what is the latest on this site? It looks like it's about to be blocked off at the moment. Uh, is there a health and safety issue with the building? Yes, that's exactly uh, what's happening. So... Basically, in the aftermath of the fire, there was a report by consulting engineers which highlighted major concerns with public safety and also structural integrity of the building. Um, so what's going to happen is that the front of the hotel, that includes the footpath and the car parking spaces in front of the hotel, is going to be cordoned off. Um, there's been a temporary cordon put in place and there'll be a more permanent cordon put up um, over the coming days. Um I suppose I'd just like to welcome it as a first step, really. Uh, the Central Hotel site has come to really epitomise, unfortunately, the der- problem of dereliction on the main street of Mallow. Um, but I think this really needs to focus the minds now, um, and I think it's going to re- lead to a renewed sense of urgency to do something more permanent and something to, to try and bring the site back into a productive use. And when you say they're calling it off uh, on the front, is that the front of the building facing the main street, I presume you mean it will be that area they'll corner off. Are they afraid the building could collapse? Yes, uh, as far as I understand, that is uh, the only reason they wouldn't cordon it off otherwise because it is quite a drastic step. But um, the engineering report uh, left them, from what I understand, with no other option. Um, I have spoken to officials about this and I've been engaging with them fairly, uh, you know, frequently over the last number of months and years in relation to the Central Hotel because it's an issue that's been brought up to me so much on the doorsteps. And, you know, the main thing, I suppose, is to try and end the dereliction 
that it has come to represent and it, the, the state that it's come into. But health and safety is a huge concern as well. And the last thing we would want would be, you know, heaven forbid, a member of the public getting injured or worse um, from a collapse of the building. And um, why can't they like just that. knock down this building? There has been a lot of calls. I know uh, your fellow councillor, James Kennedy, has said for once and for all, just knock it down. Uh, I know they have to speak to the owners of that particular site first before something like that can be carried out. But there has been a lot of laws over the last while with regards to derelict buildings uh, passed by the council. Uh, yeah. Can any of these laws be implemented and penalties charged on this? I mean, if it is, if, if it could collapse, I mean, just because yeah. you've cordoned off the street doesn't mean that the bricks won't go elsewhere or cause some damage or somebody won't try and climb into the building. Uh, I mean, we have still an issue of homelessness. It's been known that there is homelessness in Mallow. Uh, you know, you don't want people or kids who are all off school trying to jump in and uh, have a few cans inside in the, the old building and then it collapses. That's a very fair point, you know. And look, the council actually do have power to knock the building and it's not even a new piece of legislation. It's actually under the Sanitary Services Act 1964. So... Ultimately, if it comes down to it, yes, the council have the power to do that. And if it comes to it, like, you know, I'd certainly, you know, if there's no other option and the council have to do this, then I'd be certainly in favour of that myself. But I suppose the one thing about when the council is doing anything, we have to remember we're doing it with public money. And Ireland has very strong property rights. So the last thing I would want, like if the council brought in the wrecking ball in the morning without dotting the I's and crossing the T's and without going through the proper procedure under the legislation, then the last thing you'd want would be a high court challenge and the taxpayer maybe to be found against, you know, as having breached mm. the owner's property rights because, you know, not taking a proportionate response or they could have taken a less invasive action into his property rights. Um, sorry, I'm kind of going into the legal side of uh, No, but you're right because now. people might be aware of that so it's, it's no harm to go into the reason why because yeah, the last thing you want to do was spend money incorrectly. Could you not the get the property owner to go and do that? To be out of pocket having to pay out compensation. Do you know, just for example, that's the worst came to the worst now if we took very drastic action. But look, the other side of it as well from my own perspective, the number one thing I want to see with the site is I want to see it put back into productive use and I think that's what the people of Mallow want to see as well to be honest. Like, I don't think ultimately anyone wants to see either a derelict site or a pile of rubble for the next five or six years. We need to try and, whatever we can do, to try and make sure that this is put back into some sort of productive use, that there is some sort of plan here. Do you know, that's what we have to do, I think. I think you're right. I mean, obviously, at this stage, I would think you'd have to knock the thing down if it's if it's in that much danger. Uh, I think the property owner maybe could, could he, if there's so much legality and, and cost to this, could the property owner be forced to knock it down himself yes, or herself, whoever owns it? That is well. I don't think that we've gotten to the stage where we're looking for the you know where where it's been recommended that it has to be knocked down at this point. But ultimately, yes, before the council tried to knock it down itself. It would be a hundred percent. It shouldn't be the council. This is privately held property. It it's the owner's responsibility, frankly, to make sure that this site is safe. And if it's not safe, then to take whatever repairing works needs to be done, or ultimately to knock it if there's no other option. Um, and the council, the taxpayer, shouldn't be funding up the money for this. To, to be honest about it, it should really be the owner. But if it's the owner, you know, and I know the council has already spent money actually, um, or I think it was the town council actually, you know, putting up the uh, the the kind of the, the not mural but you know the canvas um, in the front of it yeah um, that, that that's kind of covering the building that wasn't 
recovered it, to the best of my knowledge. Um, so before we spend any taxpayers' money, I suppose we have to make sure that we're not wasting it. And we have, you know, we have to make sure 100% that the owner isn't going to be doing anything productive with it and that the owner isn't even going to be engaging to the extent that they'll be making it safe. So, the, and in fairness, you know, I mean, it is a private individual as well. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I suppose I don't want to prejudice anything that's being done by the council at the moment, but the council is engaging with the owner. That is the good news. The owner is, from what I've heard, engaging with the council. Well, that's and positive. I, it is, yeah. And, you know, I will be very strongly pushing this over the next couple of months. And hopefully, you know, it won't go into years, but if it does, I'll be pushing for it during that time as well. And just to get, you know... I this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. I mean, really, if the owner doesn't have any plans for it, they should be selling it like. And there was a number of plans from the council to do various things in that particular site. There was a talk of a, maybe the plaza, and it might, might be the wrong word to use in Mallow, but there was talk of some type of plaza supposed to be there at one stage or, or do something with that particular site because you're right, I mean, when you do drive into Mallow Town and, and the main area of that town uh, and you're driving in and you see that, I mean, it does, for people who aren't from the area, they initially go, oh, let's drive on because it does give the, a bad impression of the town. Further down you go, the street is very well. It's lovely hanging baskets. It's looking well. It's, you know, businesses are painting and doing up their buildings. Yes, you have this eyesore, which if you're a tourist, which is the, the, the fearful thing, who's driving in might be going to Donnerell Park or elsewhere and they see this, they might just drive off to another town because it just gives a bad impression of stopping in Mallow. That's true, yeah. And I mean, it's in private ownership at the moment, but if the council were to take ownership of it, there are certainly positive things that the council could do. Um, I suppose we'd have to get the money for it first. And there's also the town hall project, I know, which the council is also engaged in at the moment in the main street. You know, and to be fair, I mean, to the council, I think they are doing a lot of good work in terms of trying to rejuvenate the town of Mallow to the best of their ability. Obviously, with the coronavirus at the moment, um, it's very difficult. But we had some great news recently with uh, the playground, for example, in um, the Castle Park. Um, it's going to be a wonderful resource to the community. Um, but, you know, it, it is the main street, the dereliction on the main street does tend to drag it down all right. And, you know, even just in terms of comments that I've had in relation to it, there are some very good ideas as well with what could be done, say, uh, even by the private owners, um, if it could be put into some sort of an entertainment complex, like a bowling alley or something like that. Or, because the Central Hotel had a long tradition of entertainment before 
you know, it, it went by the wayside, unfortunately. Um, so it'll be it'll be great to have it put to some sort of a use for entertainment for the local people, if that was at all possible. Yeah, indeed, and it's good those ideas being thought of for the use of that particular site. For the moment, Garo, thanks for joining us. We'll await and see what happens. That as local councillor based in Mallow, Garo Murphy, on that. Your views, maybe. What would you like to see on that particular site? Text or WhatsApp 86 Call us 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning. On the way, though, we're going to hear about Cork's roof top farm on a rooftop in the city centre. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now as we speak about people uh, going and creating local produce and wanting to buy local produce, high above the city buildings a group of people have been quietly planting the first seedlings for Cork's rooftop farm. Uh, Brian McCarthy, whose family business is Central Floral Supplies, joins me on this. Um, Brian, good morning to you. Morning, John Paul. How are you keeping? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. First of all, with everything going on at the moment, a lot of people are looking at producing and, and growing their own local produce. How did all this come yeah. about, though, of using a particular building in the city centre and converting the rooftop? Yeah, um, I suppose we, I, myself and my partner, we had a bit more spare time on our hands now, like everyone else uh, these days. And we had uh, looked at our, we have a courtyard area here where we live in the city centre and um, we had looked at maybe just putting in a kind of a small area there where we could grow a few bits of vegetables and something modest to uh, to keep us occupied over the, the, the time off and maybe have a, some nice fresh, fresh uh, vegetables for ourselves to eat and um, I'm, I'm lucky enough in that my family's uh, business um our former premises was on just off the Cold Key there, Carmack Street in Cork City. And the uh we were looking down on the rooftop there one evening and think thought to ourselves, Wow, this is a very unused, untapped space. Let's maybe we could do something a bit more substantial here and um yeah, before we knew it we were kind of getting stuck into it buying polytunnels and building raised beds and planting seedlings and that it took off from there really. And is the plan now when you, I presume you've had to put soil and stuff uh, on the very th- yeah. top of, the, of that particular roof and do you have to assess that or anything for, that that roof was okay for that or, or what is in that particular yeah. building so at the moment? We had, well it, it, the ground floor is currently occupied and we had an an, uh, an engineer in to assess the structure and make sure that it was okay to take loads of what, what would be going up there and that it was structurally sound so that was um, I was lucky enough in that we I, I had I had an engineer working on a project I'm on uh, working on at the moment and he came in and had a look at that as well and gave the green light on that so that was great um, so we we backed the soil up on top of the roof that took a couple of weeks just with um, with the lockdown it's much more difficult at the moment to kind of get a hold of materials or get deliveries or anything like that so that took a couple of weeks to organise. And we've had that now, and we're we're kind of getting stuck into that at the moment, John. And the overall plan, then, as you're growing, I presume, is fresh veg and fruit. Yeah. Is it something that you want people eventually to come and they can purchase their actual fruit and veg from yourselves, or are people welcome to grow yeah, it there as I well? Mean, we so yeah, I mean, we've had quite a bit of interest from local local um, restaurants and businesses and stuff who've seen the um, the the 
the social media and uh, articles and stuff like that have been up online for it and um, obviously we'd like to um, encourage people to, to do their own thing and we'll, we'll be helping anyone out in that regard as well you know we, I think um, it, it's especially at this time the more, you know people seem to be really um, you know getting their green fingers uh, exercised it's, it, a lot of people are working in their gardens and should be no different in a, an urban setting in the city where people might have a smaller uh, space, but they, I think you could definitely be um, utilising it and doing, you know, your own small bit for that. I mean, even this evening, we're, um, we put a call out there to people living in, in our locality just even to donate their their uh, compostable materials. And we have, you know, uh, I've had so many people on to me saying they're coming this evening to donate. And, you know, things like that will... We'll, all, all make an impact, you know. Um, instead of it going into a general waste, you know, these are going to be these the material is going to be used now to to grow food in in their own locality, which I think is it's great. Culture. Yeah, it's re- yeah. really good that they're doing and, and going towards this. And also, uh, when you speak about producing, uh, usually we always think of that happening in the suburbs with allotments, or even in county yeah. areas where people have large plots of land where they can go uh, and grow numerous amounts of fresh fruit and vegetables. Yeah. So it's unusual to hear it in, in a city, especially like Cork. I think this is probably one of the first rooftop gardens or rooftop farms we've had anyhow in the city. And are you planning on expanding this? I've heard that maybe we could see chickens on that rooftop soon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've had people in touch with us who'd love, who who are, who are uh, you know, uh, they're, they're they're looking forward to helping us to, to do that and put we're, we're thinking of maybe putting a, a beehive up there as well. And we've had um, local ecologists who are who want to help us with the um, the biodiversity of the farm to to make sure that it's a healthy farm. Um, so we're we're excited to to uh, to maybe to to have a few. Uh, Give, give a few chickens a, a room with a view there in the city <laughs> centre. Yeah, That's true. And it's a good view from that location there near Car Market Street. Uh, I'm sure there'll be, yeah, there'll be no yeah. fear of them. As, and also <laughs> regarding the, the free range eggs and all the fruit and produce, when things go back to normal, that is something that mm-hmm. could take off for people who are, I mean, a lot of people live I- in the city in apartments, especially city centre, yeah. and are unable to do this themselves. So it is good that they'll have this type of produce because I think now after everything we're going through, eventually whenever uh, the, uh, the final restrictions will be lifted, uh, that people will go back to either growing their own or buying their own locally produced veg and indeed uh, we can't forget the, the hens with the free range eggs as well. Yeah absolutely and I mean you know the, the more people can support local producers of any sort you know you're you're, you're, you're helping your local economy you're, you're eating something which is probably much more healthy for you you're um, you know the, the transport miles the miles travelled are negligible you know it, it, it's a win-win in every scenario really um, so I mean, yeah, the more the more initiatives like that in, in any town or city, or even people doing it themselves, the, the better, you know. And I think, um, it I mean, it's very rewarding for people as well. I think to to do their own growing, you know, to see it come to fruition and to get the satisfaction of eating their own homegrown food is um, to to uh, to an excellent uh, re- reward for for 
you know, some a hobby like that, you know, if you're doing gardening, you know. Of course it is, yeah, and it can be good as well for, we know from our own gardening slot here with our gardener on the show, Peter Dowdall, good for mental health as well, uh, which is good for this time. So, Brian, best of Absolutely. luck uh, for, uh, with that Thanks, for yourself and your partner. Hopefully, uh, I'm sure it would, sure it would definitely take off and hopefully it goes well over the next while as you get this underway and look after those hints as well on the uh, rooftop that they don't go off anywhere. Uh, mind <laughs> yourself, Brian, you take care. Thanks sure. for joining us. Uh, that is Brian McCarthy there who's behind this and it's the first Cork's rooftop farm. So while you're in the city centre the next time, uh, you do find yourself to, when the, a lot of this is uh, is over and done with uh, hopefully I mean COVID-19 the next time you are in the city centre who knows when you look up the rooftop might be the one with the farm on it and who would have known that we would be growing our own fruit and veg and have hens on rooftops in the city centre it is something that they do in other countries but I've never heard of it here in Cork and it might be one of the first and I think a lot of us will be producing our own fruit and veg uh, over the next few months regardless of what is happening and into the future, I think we're going back to basics uh, following what's happening at the moment uh, with regards to the coronavirus. Uh, can I just bring something that's coming into us news-wise? This is something we mentioned on the show earlier in the week. It was reported in the papers that some TDs, not all now, but some TDs were looking for a special allowance to work from home because of the fact that everybody's working from home. They were saying they might need to buy some uh, office furniture and different bits and pieces to enable them work from home. So uh, while it was only a number of TDs, not all of them. Uh, the Eroctus this morning has come out and it has said that no TD has sought a special allowance to work from home. So at the moment, no TD has sought a special allowance to work from home, considering those particular reports during the week. They have not got any TD officially asking for this. However, uh, there has been a number of political journalists tweeting, we mentioned this, it was in the papers as well this morning, uh, that TDs can still pick up their full allowances and expenses during the lockdown as they've suspended the fobbing in system within Leinster House so uh, while the Oroctus are saying no one has applied for that new allowance they wanted they can still pick up their other allowances and the fobbing system now gone within Leinster House and something uh, that we were all talking about cocooning and isolation and self-isolation and not travelling over 2k and all of that uh, Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear has sent in a, a good WhatsApp this morning for people to think about others who maybe are always in self-isolation and this is uh, the people who protect our coastlines so Michael says we hear all this talk about cocooning and isolation and it's getting people down and they are sighing as to when they will get back to normal life. Well, our memories are very short when only a few years ago we had lighthouse keepers on just a rock out in the wild Atlantic Ocean for a month at a time with their families and loved ones at home on the mainland. Very often that month could be extended to five, maybe six weeks plus because of the weather or storms as the relief ship could not get out to them and take them off the rock back to the mainland. Those men should be honoured for their bravery for the volume of lives they saved by keeping the light alight which prevented many a ship from being wrecked along our shores. Those gallant men never complained about being on lockdown or worse still being on a rock in the ocean. I think we shouldn't be complaining about just a few weeks. It's not for a lifetime like those outstanding men of the Irish lights that gave to protect our lives, says Michael in Castletown Bear. After midday, more of your calls and comments. A lot of people reacting to that story. We did read the statement out from 
some keelings regarding how they did fly in workers from Bulgaria to pick fruit uh, here in Ireland during this lockdown people are unhappy with that as I said we brought you the Ryanair who of course uh, flew them back we brought you the workers uh, view on that and also the statement from keelings but more of your views on the way after midday on that and also uh, we spoke earlier on in the week to James Runane an undertaker funeral undertaker in Fermoy about what it's like now at the moment uh, carrying out a funeral and how emotions have changed for both them and indeed families because only so many people now of course can be there uh, for their loved one's funeral but uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy Connolly uh, contacted us and she wrote a poem about that and I was going to read it out today but then she sent me a WhatsApp note so she's going to read it out. It's a beautiful poem by Tracy how we deal with funerals here in Ireland and maybe how things have changed now because of that but Tracy is a nurse and she works in CUH and they listen to us most days in CUH where she works so first of all hello to everybody in CUH tuned in and we will uh, hear that poem along with some comedy as well from Brendan Grace and people uh, want a bit of uh, comedy and a bit of positivity so a bit of a laughter from Brendan Grace and we'll be checking out what's in the movies streaming wise all after midday uh, with Mark uh, your calls and comments uh, keep them coming to us a lot in on various issues we've been discussing this morning 1850-333-103 Bernie and Sadie take your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the issue though of the site of the Central Hotel in Mallow a number of people have been on saying there are other eyesores also in Mallow Town and along the main street. So what are the other owners of these premises doing about those particular issues and those particular buildings on direct provision? What we're speaking and dealing earlier about how so many companies are doing what they can for frontline workers within the healthcare service. And we mentioned hospitals and nursing homes. Uh, One person here on WhatsApp says, while focusing on efforts to eradicate the virus from all nursing homes, consideration must be taken for the numerous health workers living in direct provision centres. Also, they are playing a really important role caring for our elderly citizens, but at the end of their shifts, they return to severely overcrowded facilities. This makes it impossible for them to practice social distancing and increases the risk of contracting the virus. Suitable single accommodation needs to be found for these workers to help reduce the spread further for those who are living within direct provision and also and then in turn, uh, for those working within the direct provision centres, thank you for your WhatsApp on that. On Keelings, and this is which we raised earlier, we had a statement from Keelings and also uh, a, a, an email that was sent to a local councillor in Meath from a worker of Ryanair who was on this particular flight that Keelings chartered to come from Bulgaria back to Dublin. And it was a flight where they had a number of workers that they brought back to Ireland from Bulgaria to pick strawberries uh, for their company well, on this uh, people were outraged because of course we're in a lockdown and while people are being told to stay at home or stay within 2k uh, this is happening so within that uh, first of all a texter saying well I won't be buying Keelings from now on I'll have to buy Wexford strawberries instead uh, also Claire says can they just cut the crap they bring these people in because they're cheap labour I won't be purchasing their products uh, a lot of people unhappy and feel that these should be left on the shelves it's a disgrace bringing in uh, people when the Irish themselves are 
are afraid to go out. Mary says uh, this was very irresponsible to do this in a lockdown situation in our country. Also, Mary says the Irish would have loved to have done that work. Vincent in Newmarket says the government is to blame for the Keelings debacle. The government should have stepped in and stopped that particular flight. When the Italian match was cancelled, they still allowed the flights full of Italians into the country. And the worst of all, they let 20,000 people back in from Cheltenham. We are trying to stick to the rules. We are all doing our bit, says Vincent in Newmarket. While Martin on the issue with Keeling says supermarkets such as Tesco, Supervalue, Duns, all of these they should so show some solidarity to their frontline workers and refuse to sell any of that particular produce. While Susan says uh, their strawberries uh, and indeed their uh, profit, uh, they're putting ahead of these particular workers in this country, the staff workers, even their own workers. Uh, I won't be purchasing those particular products. And another person saying they have jeopardised everybody's sacrifices so they can pay pittance for migrant workers. David in the city feels it's totally wrong while people are being told to stay at home uh, that this uh, has actually been allowed to happen by the state. So a lot of more of those particular comments coming in. As I said, we did have that statement earlier from Keelings, but that's just some of the views uh, that are coming in to us on that particular situation. Another text here says all of this lockdown, we have beef and now Bulgarian workers coming in, uh, but the mainstream media like E don't highlight this as people are being made fools of. Um, well, the beef issue we discussed earlier during the week and we had the sides of the farmers and also the side of the factories with a statement from the factory and indeed uh, the farmers' view on that and the issue there uh, regarding the workers from Bulgaria. We have uh, highlighted it there and we have mentioned this morning with statements from uh, the company themselves and also uh, we heard from uh, the the worker within Ryanair uh, but thank you for your comments uh, you can text or WhatsApp 086 or of course you can call Bernie or Sadie 1850 Now we've got a lot of calls a lot of texts a lot of emails to the show over the week I've got through most of them but one that came in after we spoke earlier in the week to a funeral director from Fermoy and that was James Roney and he outlined how things have changed for them and indeed for families during this time of the coronavirus when it comes to funerals and when it comes to how families grieve and how only so many now can attend a particular funeral and after that particular interview a nurse contacted us working within CUH Tracy Connolly works in CUH this afternoon working in the ward DDU within CUH so hello to all the staff in CUH and in that particular ward I know a lot of staff listen to C103 in CUH so hello to you guys and Tracy heard our chat with James Ronane earlier on in the week and she wrote a poem so instead of me reading the poem and we always ask people to send in various things to us but we always encourage you to come on air with us as well either on phone or like Tracy has done you can record yourself send us in a WhatsApp note if you wish you can do that to 0862103103 you can there's actually a a little um, microphone button on your WhatsApp and you can record yourself on that and send in the messages to us that way like Tracy has done so instead of me reading it here is Tracy herself reading the particular poem which she calls the funeral director the funeral director You took the role for families and their loved ones. It's to be expected for the line of work you do. Your passion drives to see the most unmistakable of grievances. And it's your focus that strives to follow through. You remember how you played your part so finely. Now it feels your offerings are somewhat lost. 
you reminisce on all your moments of your givings and you feel your emotions are now at a cost. It's so difficult to send the message to ten people. You're wondering how hard it will be for them to choose. It's twice the grievance for them and so upsetting. No one could comprehend what they are going through. You ponder on the fact that there is no handshaking, no hugging or a chat to say the deceased is gone. It's like our duty to meet their needs has forsaken and the love in our hearts is now but a song. There is no hearse to stop upon the family doorstep. All our knees just seem to feel that they have gone. The sense of satisfaction it is but a wild card, but inevitably it's made us too but strong. My thoughts do dwell on the family to celebrate one's life so young and old. The Irish really got it so strong and together. They always had a celebration of life to the fold. I'm looking at a neighbourhood that comes to the fore. The door would open and the cakes would but arrive. The people would gather making sure the jobs are done. It's a certain kind of comradeship once it's all begun. It's uncanny the feeling that I will forever hold. It's a systematic world who's not holding its bond. So turn off the lights and we will so remember the honour guard in which they do so belong. Thank you. Beautifully read there by Tracy Connolly who wrote that particular poem. She's a worker in CUH and we must think of all those workers today in all hospitals across the country. But uh, I think that particular poem just highlights how funerals are usually held here in Ireland and how things have changed now, I suppose, over the last course of the, a few weeks due to uh, the global pandemic. But we've heard from James Ronin and how funeral undertakers are dealing with that during the week. And following that, Tracy uh, wrote that particular poem. And I think it highlights how we do deal with death in this country. A beautiful poem and well done to Tracy Connolly and hello to all the staff in CUH today who were tuned to us. So thank you for that. Again, you can send in your voice notes via WhatsApp to 0862103103 or email jp at c103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. On Manway Meals on Wheels, they will continue to deliver meals to the older members of the community and they'll also deliver to the Ballin in Askeen area and also to Drina and Drimma League areas. If anyone wants to avail of these meals, you can do so. Or indeed, if you need shopping done and delivered, you can contact them on 023 8868 And members of the public who do need assistance, you've been encouraged to contact the National Support Helpline. We mentioned on Manway, there's a number of those locally here which we'll continue to mention across today but nationally uh, you can call and you can do that on 021-237-7809 or also text the assistant team for COVID-19 on 086-1800-256 and do Hallow Vintage Run that was due to take place it was an aid of the Mercy Hospital and due to take place this coming weekend at Blackwater Castle in Castleton Roach that has now been, po- been postponed and that will be held at a later date. Record today on C103. Call-
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And on the Keeling situation and the work has been brought from Bulgaria back to Ireland, Michael asking, as the story is unbelievable, the company have a lot to answer for, but what I'd like to know is there are permits required for these workers or are they exempt? This should never have been allowed. Well, I presume uh, all that would have been dealt with and in their statement there, more or less saying everything was dealt with in line with government guidelines and indeed HSE guidelines then relation to COVID-19 but on the other side of that is uh, Bulgaria aren't they now part of the EU they joined in 2007 so they're a good number of years within the European Union so that would rule out any further permits anybody would need uh, because we're all the one uh, member states I suppose under the EU Uh, thank you for your text Michael and also a few calls in and I know this was a big issue last weekend but uh, with regards to holiday homeowners who some feel are still travelling from outside areas to coastal areas Uh, Mary who was in the city is originally from West Cork and she says I know a lot of the local TDs there have been uh, asking people not to be you know going after people with deregist because locals also uh, drive deregist and also people with a strange accent don't assume that they're not local especially in West Cork you'd have a lot of people who have uh, moved to the area over the last 10, 20, 30 years from all over uh, the world and while they are not originally born and bred from the area uh, they will have moved there and they are now very much part of their community and loved in their communities no matter where they are across that particular region Bush I'm merely making the point that I think people overall she goes will know who was local and who was not they are not stupid so people still need to be aware uh, as we have other calls coming in still of people trying to uh, get to their coastal region this weekend from outside uh, the particular area that they are in and obviously we're not supposed to be travelling more than 2k uh, no unnecessary journeys or anything like that and the Gardaí are out by the way if people are thinking of, of doing that because I know the big operation was last weekend Gardaí are out in force again this morning I met two Gardaí on my way to the studios here in in Mallow at the uh, Commons Road that, that that area leaving the city and again at the Drummahan Junction so if people think that they can go around travelling to their holiday homes Gardaí are out in force again uh, this weekend now for some comedy as we try and keep things positive and people want a bit of humour as well at this time so we didn't get to this a few weeks ago and this is the late Brendan Grace great Irish comedian appeals to all ages and he's telling a story here of his own family story and how they all were going to visit Dublin Zoo including the mother-in-law. Here's Brendan Grace. Dublin, of course, is a very wonderful place and it's a good... There are so many places to see in Dublin. But one of the great places in Dublin is the zoo, or as we Dubliners call it, the zoo. The zoo. Now, I recently went off on a little family trip and it was myself and my my wife, Eileen, and and our four children. And, of course, um, her mother... We bring her everywhere, you know, it was much better than kissing her goodbye. But, um, and our father, of course, Paddy. Now, Paddy, of course, and Lily is my mother-in-law's name. Now, I have to tell you that in case I refer to her ever again in the show, Lily is her name, uh, although he, he calls her Treasure. And I said, why do you call her Treasure? He says, because everywhere we go, people say, where did you dig her up? But, um, no, she's not as bad as it sounds. She's not as bad as it sounds. She's a... She, she was up in the house the other day. She had her false teeth in her mouth upside down. <laughs> she nearly hit the head of herself. <laughs> but she's a great person. She's lovely. And God love us, but she's huge. Oh, I know I'm no Rolls Royce myself. But she's huge. 
And of course, Paddy is very thin, you know, he's very, he feels very intimidated by her, you see. Because, well, he's not the first husband. Not, not many people know that. She was married twice before, you know. That's right, you know, and the, the first two fellas died violent deaths. And Paddy doesn't know what kind of a dispatch he's going to get, you know. So he has to be very careful. That's true, she was married, she had two previous husbands. Uh, the, the first fella died from, uh, from eating poison mushrooms. Uh, and the second fella died from a fractured skull. <laughs> Wouldn't eat the mushrooms, but... Um, <laughs> but we went up to the zoo and we had a bloody great time in the zoo. We were up on the we had such a fantastic day. We had to buy two tickets for her, of course, the usual, you know, one, one to get her in, the other to get her back out. But, um, but the rest of us, myself and the wife and Paddy and the fortune, are going in for nothing. We got in free, because we ran in backwards. <laughs> the fella thought we were coming out. And he couldn't see us with her, you see, you know, the usual. But we went along to the monkeys, and uh, as you probably know, the monkeys have very distressing, you know, social habits. You know, and they're not a bit behind the door about what they do and how they do it or where they do it and how long it takes to do it because there's a lot of monkeys and they want to make more monkeys. Well, these two monkeys, may God forgive us, but the two of them are in the middle of the... Uh, I've never seen anything like it. And they're going... <laughs> and what a crowd they attracted. There was people everywhere looking at these two monkeys in the cage, interfering with each other, to put it mildly. In other words, they were very attached. And the mother-in-law is there and she's holding her skirt out of that to stop people from seeing them. And eventually she calls and says, you, you, zookeeper, come here. You with the head on you, come over here for a second. Look at the carrying on of these two interfering with each other and that up and down and across and back when you saw would you stop them there's children here who don't even know what they're on about well, the zookeeper says what do you want me to do she says stop them now well, who am I supposed to stop them that's only nature she should throw them a bone or something would you stop for a bone the zoo the polar bear was freezing but we were going by the gorilla's cage and I have to say ladies and gentlemen the gorilla's cage in Dublin Zoo and the, the female gorilla was away from the male gorilla they, they, she was she was off in the whipsnade zoo in London uh, fostering some new gorilla and the, the, the male gorilla the daddy gorilla is on his own and he's like a devil oh he was there for about 10 weeks on his own you can imagine yourself lads <laughs> Yeah, imagine the way he felt. <laughs> and he can't get out. <laughs> Control yourselves up there, please. I mean, he can't get out for a point. <laughs> but he's in there, he's sitting down on this pole. It was a horizontal pole, actually. <laughs> wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a perpendicular pole. He wouldn't have been sitting down, actually. He, 
But anyway, he's sitting down, he has his arms folded, he has the bottom lip up over his eyes. He's like a devil. He's sitting down there and he's not paying any attention to anybody. And there's people throwing bananas and nuts and bars of chocolate and biscuits, everything. And he wasn't paying any attention. So my father-in-law, Paddy, says to, says to Lily, he says, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, and now he says the gorilla doesn't look too happy. What, what am I supposed to do about this? <laughs> you could always cheer him up. How am I supposed to cheer up a gorilla? Why doesn't he blow him a kiss? So right enough, she goes... <laughs> and the gorilla unfolded his arms, the lip came down, and he starts blinking. Yeah, yeah, and now he says you have him excited for a start. You got his attention. Now, does he really excite him? What do you mean, really excite him? Well, is you could always give him a bit of a thrill. Open the two top buttons in your blouse and pose at him. Yes, she'll try it. So she did. She opened the two top buttons in the blouse. Now, I don't want anybody getting upset. You couldn't, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't see anything, really. <laughs> couldn't even see the leverage. But anyway, she's standing there. And she kind of goes, and the gorilla's down off the pole. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. There you are now. He says, you have, you have his attention, you have him excited. Why don't you go for the jackpot? So you mad or what? So show him your leg. Show him the good leg. Fair enough. And she pulled her skirt up to about here. Now, you couldn't see that. You just see the, you know, the garter. And she's going to go, ooh, and the gorilla goes mad. <laughs> and everybody's cheering, and they're throwing more bananas, and they're all cheering. Now, I don't know where Paddy got the strength from, but he grabs a hold of Lily like this, and he grabs her like this, up, yeah, by you, and he fires her in over the cage. And she lands on the flat of her back, in front of the gorilla. Ah! And the gorilla's going. Hoo, 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 hoo. And Paddy shouts, "She now she tell him you have a headache." <laughs> it's the wonderful Brendan Grace. Their real Irish humour uh, that was actually in Killarney a number of number of years ago. And we just played that to bring a bit of humour and a bit of comedy into uh, people's lives. As we, we are all covering various news aspects at the moment, but it's good to bring a bit of positivity and humour as well. Brendan Grace, and we'll try and do that every so often here on the programme. And just on about good news, we had calls earlier from people who were trying to purchase and were purchasing hand sanitizer and gloves, and they felt the prices were very high. And we explained that supermarkets had been onto us, and they gave us the reason that many supermarkets, by the way, are selling them at cost. And then others are saying the price has gone up because of the demand for these particular products. And also, there's VAT on those products that has to be paid as well. And some of that VAT is at 23%. So, some good news in the last while. Uh, revenue have come out and no VAT will be paid on either personal protection equipment or medical equipment uh, being used to treat uh, patients with COVID-19. Also, revenue says the temporary measure will apply uh, to the likes of thermometers, hand sanitizers, um, ventilators, anything to do uh, with oxygen that might be supplied to patients within the HSC or indeed nursing homes or care homes or GB practices. So uh, all of that in mind, it's some good news anyhow for those in the 
health service uh, that for the moment that temporary measure uh, that no VAT will be paid on those particular pieces of PPE and that measure will come in from the 9th of April until July 31st. So already in place now but has been implemented until July 31st. So some good news for those inquiring about that earlier on in the show. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But it's off to the movies. We go next. Streaming-wise, movies at home. But Mark joins us. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. And time to head to the movies. And Mark Malone joins us as usual on a Friday. Hi, Mark. Hi, Temple. Now, uh, movies have changed, I suppose, by the way. A lot of people are looking at them now. A lot of movies uh, online and people are streaming movies. But this one, it's the Trolls World Tour. Uh, the Trolls, of course, always very colourful, aren't they, Mark? Well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I, I know I probably reviewed the first film with you, but when it came to, to this one, I couldn't remember it. I mean, I, <laughs> what I do remember about it is it being very colourful and lots of songs. Yeah, no, anytime you look at the, 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 the pictures of them, they are always kind of, if not colour themselves, it's always colour beaming out of the screen. Here's a trailer, first of all, anyhow, before we get into reviewing it. I'm going to destroy all music, except for rock! Oh, me, Daddy. We have to unite all the trolls. Let's go save the world! Stop fighting until I make things right. We'll overpower them with glitter. Well, we're doomed. There we are, the world tour from the trolls. Uh, okay, Mark, what's this all about? First of all, it looks, it sounds like they're rescuing the world or taking over the world. Yeah, apparently there are div- there are six different troll tribes scattered over six different lands. But Poppy and Branch, who we met in the first film, were wa- unaware of that until they discover the history of of uh, the troll tribes. And they find, in fact, that uh, the six different lands are actually devoted to six different types of music. Uh, funk, country, techno, classical, pop, and rock. Now, the problem is, is that Queen Barb, who's like the, the, the queen of uh, the heavy rock land, wants to destroy all other kinds of music because to her, of course, rock and roll uh, wants to reign supreme. Uh, and so, therefore, she wants to destroy all of the other worlds. And so Poppy and Branch uh, hear of this, so along with all their friends, uh, they set out then to uh, visit all the other lands to try and unify the trolls uh, against uh, Barb, who wants to kind of dominate the uh, troll land and uh, and dominate all the music and rid uh, the lands of funk and country and techno and just basically use rock music as their way of um, identifying themselves. Um, the thing about it is that, you know, I, I wasn't going to review this, but it was a teenager who actually wanted to see it because she actually quite enjoyed the first one because, one, she likes animation. And two, she loves music. And so therefore, these songs, are, these movies are just kind of riddled with songs. And in fact, the first 10 minutes are just like song after song after song. And I wasn't sure, in fact, if I was going to actually enjoy it and like it. She next to me was really, really enjoying it because she knew all of the songs. And there are new songs in it, which are actually written, I think, mostly by Justin Timberlake and are pretty, pretty good songs. I mean, the original film had that song which kind of became a big, huge worldwide hit. Um, that is kind of vaguely referenced uh, in this. And, you know, it's made by DreamWorks, so as you'd expect, you know, the, 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 the standard of the animation is extraordinary. The songs are good. And within 10 minutes, as I said, I wasn't sure if I was actually going to enjoy it or not. But I ended up enjoying it. I mean, I think it's actually kind of good fun at times, even though it's obviously made for 10-year-olds. I think there are some good jokes in it. There were some funny moments. I did smile. 
I think some of the songs are really, really good. The film looks extraordinary, beautifully animated, as you'd expect. And even though it's for 10-year-olds, uh, we ended up enjoying it very much indeed, much to my surprise, I have to admit. Yeah, and as you say, the animation is always great on those uh, troll movies. And when you mentioned there, it's great for, for younger people and aimed at 10-year-olds. Uh, for adults as well who are watching it with their children or nephews or godchildren or whatever, will they enjoy it? Will they enjoy the humour? I think it really depends on whether or not you like the music or, you know, if you... you the, the storyline is basically about, look, even though, you know, uh, Prince Poppy wants to kind of unify Trollland, basically, at some stage, somebody says to her, look, it's, it's what, it's our differences that kind of makes us interesting in the world. And so there's some, there's a, there's a very, very nice storyline to it and a nice story and a nice message to it. Uh, the, 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 the cast is pretty good. You've got Anna Kendrick as Poppy. You've got Justin Timberlake, James Corden. At one stage, I did have to ask, is there an animated film made these days without James Corden? Hmm. But there he is, uh, Kelly Clarkson. Sam Rockwell is kind of uh, underused for some reason. Some of the songs, maybe, because they do use songs from kind of different generations. And um, so maybe a lot of kind of, uh, you know, 10-year-olds might not know some of the older songs. There are newer songs, all of which are actually pretty good. And um, there's a very, very good energy to it. And, you know, for a film that I didn't think I was going to enjoy, at the end, I kind of thought, you know something, this was really entertaining. And uh, the teenager said it was way better than the first one because she remembered the first one really well because I think she's seen it a couple of times. Um, I ended up enjoying it. And I'm not 10 years of age by any stretch of the imagination at all. Okay, well that's good. You, you enjoyed it. It's good when you go along to see a film and then you realise, I, I don't know, I'll just go and see this, and it, it could turn out to be awful. But this one is turned out to be good for you, and that's always a good sign. So, out of ten, Mark, how would you rate this one? Yeah, if you like animation and if you like music, then you'll enjoy it. Uh, I'll give personally, I'll give it a six, but I think the teenager would give it a ten. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so a six from Mark and your daughter says a ten. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, that's the Trolls World Tour, and a lot of these movies now, of course, are available on demand from your various streaming service. Uh, I presume that's going to be the norm for the next while, Mark. Anyhow, films, if they were released or were in the cinema, they're now available on demand. They brought the release online sooner. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you worry about the future of cinemas, um, but hopefully they will still be around when all this is over and people will be able to get back into the cinemas again. Yeah, because it is kind of expensive, actually. Some of these movies are about 17, 18 euros to, uh, to download, so keep that in mind. Normally, I would go and see it. Now, people would say, look, if you, if you go and you bring your family, you would spend way more than that. That's very true. So, uh, But they can be ex- expensive. But, you know, there's, um, there's a Daniel Radcliffe film, which I think is five ninety nine. I think, um, which I might review next week. Uh, so, you know, shop around. They, they, you know, they're not all very expensive to download. But, uh, yeah, it could be the future of cinema, I'm afraid. Okay, well, uh, I suppose then you get the experience of cinema with that very big screen again, but, uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Let's go to the uh, next uh, one you're going to review for us, Mark. This is Colour Out of Space. Now, what's this about? Yeah, this is a very different now. This is an 18th cert, so this is uh, very much an adult film. So if you do download it, make sure that the kids are nowhere to, to, to see it. Uh, there's a couple of things to keep in mind with this. First of all, if you do search for it, um, I think you might find that uh, the word colour has the American spelling, so C-O-L-O-R, so keep that in mind if you are searching for it. Um, it's a, kind of a, um, it's a, it's a horror. It's a horror thriller. Um, it's very interesting. There's a couple of interesting things about it. Uh, first of all, it's made by a company called Spectra Films. Uh, which is run by Elijah Wood, uh, the actor from Lord of the Rings. And he makes these kind of low-budget kind of horror films. Uh, this stars um, Nicolas Cage, and he has worked with Nicolas Cage in the past. I think they made a film called Mandy together, which apparently was very good. I didn't see it. Uh, the teenager saw it at one stage, and she said it was very good. Uh, so I must go back and maybe have a, a look at that. The other interesting thing is that this is directed by a guy called Richard Stanley, who has a kind of a... Uh, an interesting kind of past with Hollywood. Uh, 20 years ago, he was to make uh, a film called The Island of Dr. Moreau with uh, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmore. And after four days on set, he was fired 
because of differences uh, with uh, the producers. The film ended up without him actually being a terrible disaster. So it's good to see that Elijah Wood has seen the talent, I think, in Richard Stanley. Because this is very, very good indeed. It's based on an old uh, short story by H.P. Lovecraft, who has, in the past, you know, produced these weird, weird stories. And it is a very, very odd film. And the strange thing about it is that, I mean, it, it's got a kind of an old-fashioned kind of feel to it. And Nicholas Cage brings his family to live out in the middle of nowhere, first of all, which is like uh, an old kind of storyline. Um, a meteorite uh, lands on his farm. Again, we've seen all of this before. But from that then comes this kind of entity which uses color to uh, control people, but not only just control people, their minds, but it actually mutates every life form that it touches. So at, at, the, at the start of the film, it's very kind of Spielbergian. That's what I could thought. It's, it's very like Close Encounters. And in fact, there's even a scene with a little boy standing outside uh, the house looking up at the sky, the, the bright lights of the sky, the direct lift from Close Encounters. And then it kind of turns into kind of John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, using that kind of um, that kind of mutated kind of bodies, kind of uh, kind of look and feel to the film. And I think most of those um, were actually done with physical kind of puppetry uh, rather than CGI, which kind of made it kind of... I liked that. I mean, I, they gave it kind of, a, kind of a, a nice kind of physical kind of horror feel to it. And um, and so it, the film works. I mean, a lot of it is, is filmed at nighttime. The cinematographer, whose name is Steve Ennis, I think, um, has done an extraordinary job because I normally don't like film. A lot of films that are filmed in the dark, but it, he has lit it in such a way with all of these extraordinary lights. Uh, it, it, it's thrilling to look at, and it's thrilling. The, the film itself is really, really thrilling. And, um, you know, I, I want to see Richard Stanley kind of direct more films because if he produces movies as good as this, I want to see more from him. Yeah, and the CGI, does it work well? I just see photos here of it. Is it working well with that way it's filmed? There's not much CGI in it. Oh, is really, really good thing. Yeah, the, a lot of the effects are practical effects, which I really, really like. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. Um, it, the, great, the great thing about it, too, is that, of course, you know, we have seen um, Nicolas Cage overact in the past. And, mm-hmm. You know, he, the, as his portrayal of the father, of course, it has to be weird because that's, what Nicolas Cage does, but at some stage, at uh, midway through the film, uh, his son turns to his sister and goes, "Why is Dad acting so weird?" And you're like, "How can you tell the difference?" You know what I mean? It's, it's Nicolas Cage doing his thing. A uh, pretty good cast. Uh, Jolie Richardson is uh, is also with it. Tommy Chong from uh, the old Cheech, uh, Cheech and Chong movies. He's in it as well. It's horrific at times, and it's scary and frightening. It's thrilling. It's funny. It's a mix of everything, but it's a good mix. And in the end, I think it worked very, very well. And for a rating out of 10? I'll give it eight. Eight, and that's good. Eight out of 10. So for Colour Out of Space. And again, that's available on demand if you want to download that from whatever streaming site you download your movies from. Mark, thank you for that. And enjoy your weekend and stay safe. And we'll chat next week. That's Mark Malone there with our movie review. But of course, uh, reviewing the movies that are online now and available to download on demand. Hi to Judy and Tim Ali, Gautam Esther, who enjoyed Brendan Grace earlier. Uh, Thank you. We'll do more of that over the next while. Uh, Thank you for all your calls and comments and emails across the week. My thanks to Bernie and Sadie. Nick Richards is along from one with more feel-good news at one next. Enjoy your weekend. I'm John Paul McNamara. Stay safe. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.